forget that because we bring our boundaries back in and we go, I need to be about me um, and I need to spend my energies on me. But I wonder if we actually get involved in something way bigger than ourselves, whether it actually might cause um, us to have more energy in life. This is another one um, to think about. These are some of our core needs, some of the things that as people we actually really need to make sure we, we meet. So we need to have certainty, but we also need to have variety. That needs to be a balance in our lives. We need to have significance to know that we're actually important and significant, and we need to have love and connection in our life. But this other one down the bottom, this is, this is spiritual need, and this is an off-the-chart, a different thing. So you can survive with those first set of core needs. But if you really want to thrive, if you really want to flourish and to grow, you actually need to spend yourself on something bigger. And that's that's about stuff like growth and making a contribution. And that's what I want to talk about today, about something bigger than yourself. Oh, don't want to give that away. Um, So I want to talk about the idea of what if we were to get involved in something way bigger than ourselves. And I've decided that I have no idea because my life is quite small. Um, I've got three little boys. I'm making Vegemite sandwiches all day long. I'm packing school lunches. I'm getting kids off iPads all day long. That's all I do. That's my own little world. Um, So I thought I would ask a number of different people to come and talk to us this morning about ways in which they get involved in something bigger than themselves, in, in which they grow and contribute and they can see a much bigger picture than just their own little world. So I'd like to invite... Ian Bunston and Michelle Gates. Let's give them a clap as they come up because it's daunting. Come on up, grab a chair, grab a spot. Um, Can we have the other microphone and are all switched on and ready to go? So Ian, um, do you want to say hello into that and see if we've got you? Hello everybody. So this is Ian and Ian, in January, Ian went, I went to Phillip Island, Ian went to the Philippines. So you went on a trip to the Philippines with a bunch of people and did some pretty amazing, crazy stuff. I'm just wondering if you can give us a little bit of an overview. Why did you go to the Philippines? Have you been there before? You know, what was that? Well, Yvonne, there's probably three reasons that I uh, decided to go to the Philippines. Um, A friend of mine, Greg Wombrin, who's a a teacher at Kerry, has been leading a trip for several years to the Philippines and has been encouraging me for quite some time to consider it. And so I thought, well, why don't I? You know, I looked into it and I had plenty of discussions about it. So my son, who is 18, turned 19 while we were away, he and I were having a conversation as well about it, and uh, he was very, very keen to go as well. So I thought, well, this is a wonderful opportunity to spend a couple of weeks with him um, in a particular project like this. And probably lastly, the opportunity again, going to the third world, um, getting that global perspective back mm. into my life, getting a, just an understanding of how we stand here in Australia, but in relation to the rest of the world. So I thought so it provided that opportunity. Have you been there before? Not to the Philippines. There you go. Okay. So, so big, first big experience. We'll hear a little bit more about it. So now, Michelle, I've got some pictures up here. Michelle, you've been involved for quite some time in a, in a program called Days for Girls. Just want to give us a quick little snapshot of what is Days for Girls and what's your involvement been? How'd you get involved? That kind of thing. Okay. Um, is it working? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, so back in 
2012, um, I saw an article about Days for Girls in a Spotlight magazine, and I actually just bought the Spotlight magazine for the $10 voucher on the back, <laughs> and um, I felt that it was really a, a God-timing kind of thing, actually, because my uh, then 14-year-old had just had double hip arthroscopies, and we had three weeks of July school holidays to look forward to where we couldn't walk around museums or zoos or anything, and I thought something that would take her mind um, mm. off of our own troubles might be a good thing. Uh, but explaining what Days for Girls is, basically it's a, uh, a sanitary hygiene um, management program where we sew and provide uh, washable sanitary hygiene kits to girls in developing countries because often they don't have anything sustainable to use um, and the big in- impact that it particularly makes is helping um, young girls stay in school. Um, we also are for women outside of um, you know schooling sort of ages, we're for women of reproductive age all, all over um, but we do have a, a particular focus on education and helping girls um, maintain um, their attendance at school. Excellent, so something to do to preoccupy her in this time and get, get her outside of yep. her thinking about her own little world and yeah. you've been involved for how long? Uh, it'll be coming up for four years in the middle of the year, so about three and Fantastic. a half years. So I run a chapter in Ferntree Gully um, where we have grown to about 30 volunteers that come every month to our monthly sewing days um, and we've also had a couple of other teams launched through our team, one in Healesville and one in Berwick um, and I'm also the Victorian coordinator. So um, I also was really interested in um, getting involved in Days for Girls because it met... Um, um, quite a few of my passions, um, particularly I was already using reusable menstrual hygiene management for myself because I'm a little bit of a tree hugger, a bit of a greenie, and I really believe that that's a really important um, value in terms of stewardship um, of the world that God's given us um, and also just justice um, in empowering women. So, um, And also I'm a bit crafty as well. I like making bit things. Crafty, and I really love, I love beautiful and fabric and so it meets some, it. Of, some of my passions there as well. Brilliant. So, um, Ian, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. So, Ian, um, going on this trip, you, you're at, you know, the, been to the Philippines and it's a bit of a different exposure kind of thing and you're travelling with different people. What I really want to know is what did it do for you internally? What did it do for you um, on the inside, for your understanding of people uh, and even for how you see life back here? What did it do for you? About three things. In fact, there are the things I could drill down and uh, finally decide upon to speak about this morning because there were so many. But firstly, like it really did heighten my sense of gratitude. Um, we live in a remarkable country, and uh, to be in a time of comparing in those two weeks to what I was uh, witnessing and seeing in the Philippines and the amount of poverty compared to what we uh, experience here in Australia certainly heightened my sense of gratitude and what we have here in this country. Mm. Um, It also heightened my sense of a desire of wanting to serve those that are in need. And uh, whether it be overseas or whether it be here, there are always people that are in need. So it certainly heightened my sensitivity in that area. And it also um, heightened my sensitivity of the power of working in in community with folk in terms of relationships and so forth and what we can do in that setting. Mm, Awesome. That's, yeah, that that gratitude thing is huge as well. Um, So, Michelle, in terms of the the work that you've been doing over those four years, um, how's it influenced your family? But also, um, how does God fit into that for you? You talked a little bit about, you know, stewardship and how we use, that's how we use the planet that we've been given. But how does God fit into you serving in this particular way? 
Um, well, in terms of the influence on my family, it's um, it has been interesting over the, those years that I've been involved. Um, Oliver's looking quite shameful there because he he doesn't really like my involvement with Taste for Girls. <laughs> it's it's a bit been... awkward when you're a young lad. <laughs> it's meant that it's meant that my uh, focus is not. 100% about making Vegemite sandwiches and looking after my kids um, and that's been a new thing because I've been a stay-at-home mum most of the time um, since my kids were, were born. Um, but in terms of fitting in with my, um, my faith, I feel that uh, in... It's just a response of gratitude for the the incredible grace and love that God's given me, that and and the fact that I live in such a privileged um, situation in my life that um, that I can give something back. Uh, and I, one of the, the the verses, I don't know where it's from or anything, because I'm not very good at that sort of stuff. But um, is is where where God says that you know when we've been given much, we have greater responsibility. And so I really feel that for me in my life, I've been given given great privilege um, and, and financial security and so whatever I can give in my time um, and, and material ways that I'm just, it's just a response back to him of, of gratitude. Thankfulness and gratitude. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's awesome. And so, it, you know, you are a mum. How many kids have you got? I've got three. You've got uh, three kids. Yep. So life is, life is busy but you still manage to figure out how to prioritise chasing after this big, huge thing, which is way bigger than you are. Yes, it's quite a figuring out sometimes, but yes. Yeah, yeah, good work. Um, so, Ian, last question for you. Did, um, did you encounter God in a fresh way? Did your perspective on God change during that time? It, it did. I, I think the involvement, and I know that we saw some photographs up there on the screen before, but there are a number of projects that were involved in, in these two weeks that were there. And uh, from uh, a feeding program to um, visiting folk in prison uh, to a medical mission to where my son was working in a school painting a mural um, uh, there in a large school in Legal. Um, I believe in all of those projects and the way that people worked together in community and responded to each other and in the conversations, I really believe that God's spirit was there and present in those situations. It was just wonderful to see our community of the Australians, the way that we mixed together, then the Filipino community and the way that they were, and then the way that we even then intertwined mm. and worked so well together. God's, I believe his spirit was evident in those, um, that community and the conversations that were there. And I would say it would be in the hospitality, the generosity, the mm. thoughtfulness, the caring that was shown, the friendships that were developed. His spirit was evident in those situations, which I found very refreshing indeed. Mm. Awesome. So... Um, if you guys want to chat to these guys at all and find out more about how it is that they juggle this additional thing into their life and, you know, find the time and space, but also what it does for them and, 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 and where they're finding God in amongst it uh, and what it's doing for them internally, it would be great to be able to chat with them afterwards. So give them a clap. They were fantastic. I've got some other things we're going to roll on with. Thank you. I, I love the way that the, the idea of, um, of gratitude came out from both of them that they actually found themselves in a position where actually I'm doing this I, I, I'm doing this because I'm grateful because what, what I've got is amazing and I actually need to make a contribution so um, I've got this picture and I just wanted to highlight the idea of perspective because sometimes actually getting outside of our own little world and doing something that's bigger than us changes our perspective. It changes the angle on which we look at things. So um, it takes us from having that um, what's in it for me attitude 
to being, actually, I can make a contribution. I actually can see the bigger picture. And what I don't want you to hear is me saying at any point this morning that getting involved in something bigger than you will solve your problems because it won't. Your problems are still there. The issues that you're confronted with are still there, but it actually may give you a different perspective. It may shed a different light and you may come back with a bit of a different understanding of how you can actually tackle some of those things that are part of your life and that you have to deal with. So the other thing that um, that I love in, in terms of getting involved in, you know, perhaps going somewhere to another country or, or to, to engage with people that are quite different from you is it actually gives you an opportunity to see how strong you are. Um, I was reminded of that phrase of um, you never know how strong a tea bag is until it gets into hot water. You know, take yourself to a different place so that you've got a different perspective on who you are and a different perspective on your life. You actually may find that you're stronger than you think you are or more capable than you think you are or that you've perhaps got more time than you thought you had. Uh, So I think that it's really, really helpful. I'm going to keep rolling on because I've got another couple of people I would like to interview. I'm going to ask for Keith and Pam. Let's give them a clap as they come up. As they're coming up and getting themselves sorted, I, um, I've been speaking with Lucas Rutherford, who's been also in the Philippines, quite separately doing something. Um, Lucas and Jonah have been in, um, in the Philippines and they've been doing some work. I think they've been running basketball stuff. And I asked him, you know, what is it that stood out to you? And the thing that he said is that he loves the fact that not only were they helping the local community, but they were actually having their own attitudes shaped um, I don't know, how old is Lucas? 21? A 21 year old's going, and this shaped my attitude. How good is that? I actually think that's really huge. So um, I've got up here two lovely people. I've got Keith. Keith has been involved in prison fellowship, and Pam's been involved in our community meals down at Croydon. So bring in a little bit more closer to home as opposed to overseas. I'm going to start with, I'm going to flip my page first. So I ask you the right question and not Ian's question. Keith, um, no, I'm going to start with Pam. Community meals. I think you're on. Just go hello. Hello. Are we on? Hi, everybody. There we go. Pam, what was it that made you give up your Wednesday evenings at home, having a lovely dinner with your family to stand out on a cold winter's night in Croydon and serve soup and burgers to people? In Croydon. What was it that made you want to do that? Well, I should point out that it's all year round. Yes, so it's <laughs> so not just a one cold... It, I, I just, in, in my mind, I remember seeing you in a really big coat <laughs> yes. turning up. To, yeah. So it is um, also... All seasons are, are covered on a, a Wednesday night when um, I turn up to Croydon. But I guess I'm probably very fortunate, which I'm sure not all of us are, but there's something in me that... Um, has a desire to serve. So I want to point that out first because not everybody is into that. Mm. Um, so it, it, it does come easy to me. But I guess the other things are, as a, a follower of Jesus, I also recognise um, and believe the words that, you know, we need to be able to go out of our small worlds. And I live in a very small world um, of my family and Ian and uh, I have very little opportunity to meet people that aren't quite like me. And uh, Wednesday night meals, uh, I meet people who are the polar opposites to who I am. 
and I recognise that they're actually just like me but their circumstances are really different. I also recognise that, um, again, like uh, Michelle was saying, I've been very fortunate with the life that I've lived and I feel that it's uh, part of my calling also to be able to give back uh, to those that haven't been as fortunate. Mm. Yep. Now, Keith, you've been involved in prison fellowship for a number of years now. Um, how long? And what's made you stick with it? What is it that, that grabs you about prison fellowship? And maybe even if you just want to explain what it is briefly. Sure. Prison, prison fellowship is a, an organisation started by one of the Watergate conspirators uh, to visit people in prison, to help them cope with prison and to help them cope with life when they leave prison. And that can take a whole range of different shapes and forms from running programs to uh, sort of personal development programs to games to just sitting one-on-one and that's probably the majority of majority of the, the work is sitting with people one-on-one. Uh, I was going to say having a conversation but it's more listening to, to the, the things that they're going through and uh, perhaps putting in a word or two that might help them along the way. Hmm. So for both, both of you... Um, there have probably been some particular people that have stood out. Is there is there one in particular that you can think, you know, a story that has really connected with you? Yeah, perhaps if I answer the question you just you asked oh, first, was sorry. I why stick with it? Is, oh, why is, you stick with it? That's yeah, yeah. Because right. uh, you're uh, awesome. Yeah. I just made that assumption. Yeah, so, so uh, the, the, um, the reason I stick with it is because I, I had a, a really clear, strong sense that God wanted me to do it. And uh, I, I don't think you'd go to a a place like a prison voluntarily without having that. And I think that's what keeps me there too, is to have that uh, strong sense that, that God wants me there and I'm being useful. So that's that. In, in terms of stories, uh, telling stories about prison actually is, is, isn't easy because it's difficult to contextual, contextualise what is uh, an entirely different culture and with a whole range of um, uh, aspects that... Are, need to be brought in so if I just just give a, a few little, little touch on a few little stories is the, f- the first I'm thinking of is one I, I've, I've only met met once but uh, but one of my colleagues has passed him on to me if you like because this this man has moved prisons he's in his early 30s serving a, sen- a very long sentence as a matter of fact but he through uh, um, the visits of, of my colleague and uh, Margaret Court the tennis player's book winning ways has become a Christian just in the last few weeks. And uh, uh, he's an incredibly enthusiastic young man. He's just voraciously devouring Christian books, everything he can get his hands on, and he's already uh, being of uh, amazing service to other prisoners in, the, in, the, in, the, in his unit. And he's just lapping it up and wants to start a little book club there. He wants me to provide the books I can. Uh, and it's just lovely to see his enthusiasm. So you, you, you get that. Uh, I'm, I'm in mind of a man in his 80s uh, who uh, has spent two-thirds of his life in prison. Uh, yeah, hard to imagine, isn't it? A renowned hard man. Uh, about two weeks before he died, um, s- sitting there in tears, saying how sorry he was for what he'd done. And... Um, just really would love to be able to say how sorry he is uh, to the people he's hurt. Uh, and uh, it's just a, an amazing opportunity to sit with people. Uh, he knew that God had forgiven him, but he couldn't forgive himself, actually. 
Um, and then there's another guy who's an Indian man about my age who uh, steadfastly maintains his innocence after spending six years in jail. Uh, and, uh, but he, he is really thankful for going to jail because he became a Christian in jail. And since he was, he's been released, he's going on with it. And it's really good to spend time with him uh, out of jail, for that matter. Um, <laughs> just one more. Uh, or one more little vignette is, is that uh, a, f- a friend and I uh, run a bowls competition uh, on a Thursday uh, for prisoners uh, in a, with mental health issues, I guess. And they're not just with mental health issues... Uh, most of them are really low education uh, and s- simple guys, but it's lovely to see the opportunities they get when they have a little bit of success just playing carpet bowls. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just uh, lovely to see the, the difference it can make to people's lives, giving that little bit of joy. Mm-hmm. Is there a story that stands out for you with people you've connected with at Community Meals? Well, of course, in all situations, there's lots of stories, I think, just mm-hmm. like you, Keith. Um, the first woman that I um, spoke to on my very first um, evening was a girl that was probably (laughs) a girl who was probably not that much younger than me (laughs) and um, I sat down with her and we shared our cup of soup together which we have continued to over the the following months but here is a woman who uh, had had a serious car accident, she uh, has a metal plate in her neck, she was waiting on Uh, two knee replacements, which one of them um, has occurred since. Uh, She lives with a a guy, her partner, who thinks we're all a bit weird, so uh, he doesn't come with her, but she always sneaks that extra little plate uh, or the extra uh, little uh, sweet things into her uh, trolley thing. And so now I actually make sure that I say to her, would you like to take something home for your partner and... She's already got the extra stash, but she'll take um, the extras <laughs> as well. But, um, you know, and over, over the months, we've started to share our stories. And, you know, she's had a child that, that died at birth. Um, she's had a husband who was seriously ill and, and died. And, and I look at this woman now and I think, you know, you're, you're probably not that much dissimilar to me. Um, We've, we've lived a parallel life. Yes, it's been really different. But, you know, when I see her on Wednesday nights, the minute she sees me, her face lights up. She gives me this great big grin. She moves, moves over her a little bit like this so I can sit here beside her. We take our cup of soup and we just have a chat together. And I just feel that whole expression of um, her love towards me is feeding my soul and seeing her smile at me is feeding my soul and I just pray that in the smallest bit I'm doing that same in repeat to her. Mm. Mm. There's plenty of other stories but, you know, they're Mm. all much of a muchness. You just recognise that they're no different than us. They've just been dealt a a harder life than what um, I have especially and um, it's it's just about getting alongside them. Mm. Yep. Uh, and Keith, I, prob- I would imagine that there's probably moments when you feel a bit the same as, you know, but, but for the grace of God, they go, oh, like, you know, that, that could have been my life had things just been slightly different or whatever. What does uh, serving with Prison Fellowship do for you, for your, like, identity, for who you see yourself and, and, and where does Jesus fit into that for you? Look, I, I think um, 
for everyone what you do, why you do it and how you do it, um, a, a part of your, or you form your identity really and I think uh, uh, in terms of prison fellowship, when you go into prison everybody knows you from prison fellowship and um, people from prison fellowship have been coming in, into prisons for years and in, in a way I'm carrying on there there a chain of work that's that's been begun so i I'm, i have to uphold that mm. respect and um yeah the respect that that people have from prison fellowship have built up and it's it's uh, a really good thing that you you don't have to do much but except maintain that and i think as everyone else has said it's it's um amazing uh as you look as as i look back with gratitude at the things that the privileged life that I've led, mostly through no uh, choice of my own, that uh, uh, it's it's only something that's that's reasonable to do to to give back to other people who who need it. I think, and and to recognise that that I'm really thankful for God's love and God's um, unfailing love, and for the the love of, of people who've. Um, cared for me and invested their time and, and talents in me too, that mm. it's only reasonable to give a little bit back and do those sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Pam, Isaiah 58, this is one of my favourite things. It says, If you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your lights will rise in the darkness. I feel like you were beginning to unpack that a little bit before with that the story. What What does it... You know, what does serving in this particular way, in this particular ministry do for your well-being and for how you thrive? Well, to start with, I love the fact that I can be the hands of Jesus with these people. Um, I can be um, the heart of God to them as well. And I can just love them and express that love in in this way by feeding them um, as God has called us to do. And... Um, even though it is a sense of, I guess it sounds like it's me giving out, but the joy that um, a smile brings in return um, just melts my heart. It's no different than when I see my grandchildren and they run up to me and they grab me and, you know, nanny, nanny, these people see me. You know, how's your four daughters today? And, oh, Pam, you know, and they, they pull you over and they sit you down and their faces light up and... Um, because of the way they respond to me, um, what stirs in me, um, I think, is that same heart that, that God must feel for them. That, mm. you know, I love them for who they are. Yeah. I know that God loves them for who they are. And it's a real privilege. Uh, I have a sense of being privileged that I have this life and they don't. But what can I offer mm. to them? Yeah. So there's two more people for you to. Draw out those stories. There's a lot more. These guys could both sit up here and tell me loads and loads more about what it is that's doing for them. Um, so give them a clap as they head back down. And I've got... Thank you. I'm wondering if Matt Ben... Is Matt is Matt Ben here? Have we got Matt Ben? Come on up. I don't think we've got Dave Mitten, have we? Nobody's running towards me. Matt, come on up. Um, Matt... You've been serving in a really different way. You've been a foster carer. You and Ronwen have been fostering kids. Um, what's with that? Like, there's there's only so Crazy. much. Crazy. There's only so much time in life 
and there's only, only so much money and there's only so much stuff and there's only so no, like and you open your doors one for how many children and and why what is that about so Roman and I and Jasmine and Jerome because it's a family thing we uh, house and love and care for three siblings so twins at one and a half and a three-year-old so that uh, is quite a number of kids. And this weekend, once a month, we also have another one. So we actually have six kids this More weekend. More than a handful. But that's only for one weekend a month. So five kids normally. Wow. And why? Well, yeah, why? That's a why why bit do of a you journey. spend your energy? What, why? It's huge. So Roman and I both came from completely different paths to where we are now, um, but we met at Bible College, so we both went uh, to try and learn and grow and prepare ourselves for full-time ministry, and we didn't actually, well, we did get there. We are doing ministry, but we work in the secular world as well, um, but we, we've always wanted and had a passion for being, I guess, in a lifestyle of ministry so that all of what we do points towards Jesus. And fostering is a very unique way to do that. Um, and it is all-consuming, which actually helps you to get into the mindset of what's, uh, I guess, the basis of life, trying to serve Jesus. And was it all smooth sailing from the very beginning? Did it all just bang Yvonne, easy? you have children. <laughs> Has it been smooth sailing? It's a loaded question. <laughs> so... I will say, no, it has not been smooth sailing. But we didn't just jump into full-time foster care. Full-time foster care is something that you really, really need to think about seriously before you enter that. So um, we were respite carers. So we, we took kids on for weekends and emergencies. So they'd ring us up at 6 o'clock at night and say, hey, guess what? We've got a 10-year-old coming for the night. And then you might never see them again. So we've had around about 40 kids over the last three years. So it's been a journey of you never know who's going to rock up on your doorstep or how long they're going to be there for because <laughs> obviously when you respite an emergency, it's short term. And we've had these kids now for 10 months and they were not supposed to be with us for any longer than a week. So, yeah, 10 months on, mm. it's a bit different. And, and this isn't one of your questions, but I'm just going with it. Because we've got to wrap up. In terms of what God's doing in the world, you know, He He is actually um, bringing order to the chaos of the world. He's bringing peace to the world. He's um, He's He's changing things. He's He's balancing back up the scales of justice. All of those kinds of big global things. How do you feel like what you do day to day plays into that? Does Does it Does it speak to Do they speak to each other? Those two ideas. I think we all go into every situation as a Christian going, I want to make my mark. And the more you do, the realize, you realize how much bigger the world's problems are than you started out thinking. And I think this is probably the two things that I've taken out of my time of fostering um, is perspective and stamina. And you can't get either without experiencing and jumping in over your head 
And even then, God continues to give you strength and grace and mercy for yourself to be able to do the things that you never thought you could do. Mm. And they're still much bigger than us, yep. but God's got it all in control. Because yep. he's doing it. Yeah, he's doing it. I mean, I could never take care of willing. five kids. I mean, one kid's hard. Two kids is a little bit harder. When you've got five, you just roll with the punches. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Does that answer the question or is that a bit vague? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I just have this little quote here. I alone cannot change the world, but I can cast a stone across the waters to create many ripples. And I just, I feel like, you know, for us as your family to encourage you guys, whatever we can do to help you cast those ripples in those little people's lives and in whatever lives come in and out of your lives as you go, then, you know, we're, we're with you, we're behind you, uh, we're for you. So, yeah, go, go, go with God's strength in that. Let's give these guys and, and Ronwen and the kids and everybody a bit of a clap for all the work they do. Okay, and we're wrapping it up really quickly with... Um, I just want to read this proverb to you. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Curses on those who drive a hard bargain. Blessings on all who play fair and square. The one who seeks good finds delight. The student of evil becomes evil. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. I've got about 10 other things that I want to share with you this morning, but they've been great, haven't they, those people that we've heard from? That's been just amazing to hear from different people who are choosing to get involved in something bigger than themselves, that they may grow, that they may contribute, uh, and that they may actually flourish. So we're going to sing a final song. Um, You can listen to it. You can sing along. But what I'd love you to do is reflect on what we've been doing through January. We've talked about hunting the good stuff, chasing down the stuff that is really good, not just accepting whatever comes at you in life, but hunting the really good stuff. Um, We've talked about keeping the doors open, being open to relationships, open to what God wants to do to change you. Don't be closed. Uh, And today we've talked about actually, you know, flourishing by being involved in something bigger than we are. I'd like to invite you to do something a little bit different while you're listening to this song um, and singing along. Um, Over here, I've got a tree which clearly is not flourishing. And I'd like you to take a moment, come and get one of my lovely little leaves. Let's see if we can't make this tree flourish. And as you come up and as you grab your leaf, I want you to think about how might I flourish this year? And you might be a follower of Jesus and you might say, I want to go where God is going and I want to run there really hard. Uh, Or you might say, I don't know, but I want to flourish in my life and I need all the answers I can get. So come and put your leaf on the tree. There's, There's loads of things that we can do to get involved in something bigger than ourselves. I was chatting to a little guy called Sam, uh, Sam Waterworth, and he decided one day he would bake cookies and take them in and hand them out to the people in the city who are homeless. And he said to me this morning, he said, when I did it, I felt small but useful. Ripples, lots of ripples. I was in a refugee camp with a girl and her name was Tamlapo and she had not a penny to bless herself with and a story that would make a documentary. 
Uh, and the day I went to meet her, she was running back because she'd taken a portion of her lunch to give it to somebody else who was new in the refugee camp. And oh my goodness, her light shone that day in a way you wouldn't believe. What if we flourished? What if we looked for the places that God is asking us to be at work and we chose to participate and we flourished because of it?